and I had a fantastic, you know, fantastic childhood. We didn't have much, um, you know, maybe compared to other people, but that mattered not a jot. You know, we just had a really happy, loving childhood. My level results weren't the best. I think I got a D and uh, E in maths and whatever. But I took economics for the first time, found it the easiest thing in the world, realised I had a kind of affinity with economics and, you know, stormed it with an A and absolutely loved it. Found it so interesting, um, business in general. When I started the business, I started with absolutely nothing. Um, so it's kind of tracking back on. So I'll maybe come to that, but it was that kind of drive of starting with nothing and thinking, how am I going to pay my bills this week? Try and have that plan and try and be ahead of the game. You know, try and say, okay, I'm someone that has never wanted to stand still. I've always wanted to be at that next level. Now, if, you look, if you're on your deathbed looking back, have you done you know, all the things you can do to be the true you? Is that the true Richard Skerritt looking back on his life going, that was a good, you know, I had a good run. I'm enormously proud that my business that I started in my, um, my, in my, my spare room, it was my shared room, you know, <laughs> with some ex-kind of polytechnic dads, and uh, that's where we started. So to see that happen is just really, really satisfying. Success is built in the hard times, failure is built in the good times. I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when I get the new car or the new house or the new whatever, when that happens. And it's such a shame and we're all guilty of it, you know, thinking that something in the future is going to make us happier when we should look at ourselves and you know what, everything's great now. I remember going back when times are hard, I remember one of my measures of success, I had a... I had a Ford Escort that cost me 150 quid mm. at the time. It had been in three, it had been written off three times by insurance companies, four different colour panels, whatever. The first time I went in there, I could fill the petrol tank up and be confident my car would work. I honestly, to this day, I'll never forget treating that as you know what, scary, you're doing okay. Define success. You know, I wouldn't say you were successful in terms of that, from you know, as a human being, monetary wise, business wise. But to be successful as a human being, you have to be happy. You have to be. Yeah, reach that self-actualization. I'm on a mission to help the world to see success differently. Through sharing the stories of our guests, I hope to inspire those that listen. This is the Different Hats podcast, produced by H2 Productions. Hope you can join us on this journey. Okay, I'm just going to say something about one of our sponsors, Rivervow. The world of cars, vans and minibuses is often a pain point for many of us. The hassle of finding the right vehicle, let alone looking after it, are all more things to add to our lists as busy people. Rivervale's mission is to make motoring manageable, and that's why they provide leasing, purchasing, servicing, and vehicle management. So whether you have one family car or a fleet of vans for your business, Rivervale are your trusted vehicle supplier. Visit www.rivervale.co.uk. Okay, let's jump back to the podcast. Okay, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Um, when I started the podcast, it was people always ask me who inspires you. Um, for me, one of the reasons for starting the podcast was I know we're surrounded within this amazing Sussex business community by truly inspirational people, and um, my guest today is certainly one of those. Um, I'm delighted to welcome. Mr. Richard Skerritt to the podcast. Richard, how are you, sir? I'm great, thanks, Sam, and uh, thanks for having me on. Oh, mate, and listen. for the, the lovely intro. Yeah, look, it's been, um, it's, uh, obviously, uh, we've known each other through 
friends and social media and stuff over the uh, uh, over the years and seeing what you've achieved as a true Sussex success story is is pretty incredible to be honest and um, and just truly honoured obviously to have you on and look we, we, it was interesting just speaking a little bit offline before and boxing and all sorts and um, and and having an interesting conversation so I'm I'm really keen to just delve straight in and um, and and go for it mate great let's yep. do it right Thanks. we're going to kick off as always with our life in sixty seconds as always I think that, that everyone's journey starts. There's a story starts somewhere, right? So yep. let's talk to you a little bit um, in 60 seconds. Just give me a snapshot about something in your childhood that shapes the man who sits in front of me today. Yeah, I think kind of, I suppose, looking back, one of the moments that probably changed how I am, how I how I look at life and how I deal with things, um, it probably comes back to the thing I was at school and uh, had this chap, for some reason, decided he disliked me um, and decided every day he'd come and just basically punch me in the face, which for some bizarre reason I put up with um, for probably several months. Bothered me, you know, big time. Um, kept it to myself. Apparently and one time I kind of uh, spoke to my dad and uh, kind of quizzed me, what, what's up? I told him this chap kept punching me in the face and he looked at me rather bizarre and said, well, what do you do back? And I went, well, nothing. And he said, why? And I said, don't know. It probably scares me a bit. He said, well, next time he does it, just punch him ten times harder in the face. So... Uh, I probably did it slightly wrongly because uh, he told me to wait until the chap did it to me before taking kind of you know <laughs> action back, and I uh, walked into school right in front of the biology teacher at the school, and this chap had just literally punched him as hard. It's probably one of the best punches I've ever done. Straight in the face, knocked him over, bloody nose, all this kind of stuff. You know, I walked away there just with that massive smile on my face. Thought, you know what? What an idiot for not doing that before. Yeah. You know, stand up for yourself. Don't let someone put you under that kind of thing. And I never have since. But it probably needed that to kind of demonstrate to me that you know that that's how you deal with bullies or people that try and because mm-hmm. I think you get a lot of bullying in life and it's not necessarily kids at school yeah. it's people in business it's people in life generally um, that can bully you in lots of different ways yeah. or try and do that and uh, I think you know, whether that was a pivotal moment but I've uh, like to think I've never you know never let people do that to me mm-hmm. and I try not to let people do it to other people as well because quite often you see people you can see they're kind of being bullied in a way um, and uh, you know, it's good to kind of uh, you know, stand up for those people yeah. because that, you know, that's how they get forward. I love that. How old was you then? I was probably 12 or 13. Wow. When I was, uh, I'm kind of you know, six foot five and 18 stone now, <laughs> yeah. um, but I was, a, I was a late grower. So I was actually, I remember we at school, we had to line up shortest to tallest. And I was second shortest in my year. I was like was 60 really? boys. I was one of the, I was you know, second smallest kid, um, weedy at the time. Um, so I've uh, put a bit of weight on since then. <laughs> um, but uh, I suppose, you know, again, picking on, you know, what's seen as the weakest at the time. So yeah. Uh, but uh, I'll never, you know, I'll never forget that moment yeah. and the great advice from my dad. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. It is. It's one of them. I'm growing. I grew up in Dagenham. Yeah, and it was, you know, probably well, I went to one of the worst schools in the borough at yeah. the time. So you did, and it was one of them. You did have to. I was really lucky. I was really good at football, so I, yeah. I was in. I got away with a lot. To be right. fair, so I was. I was quite lucky. But that's, that's the thing. I mean, I was the opposite. I had a, an elder brother who was a very good footballer. He ended up being the England schoolboy squad and everything. Oh, so wow. he was the golden boy wherever he went. He was the best footballer. And at the time, all I wanted to be was as good as my brother at football. <laughs> yeah. And I, I never was, obviously. Did uh, Did you play though? I I tried. I played. Yeah. I've always you know tried to play, but um, yeah, never never to any kind of standard whatsoever. <laughs> so. Uh, that was the that's the important thing when you're 12 or 13, isn't it? All you want to do is uh, be a footballer. Yeah, yeah, mate, absolutely. But t- talk to me then a bit more about childhood, like school. What was school like uh, uh, after that 
period. And yeah, so uh, <coughs> I was brought up in uh, Kings Lynn in Norfolk, so yeah. a kind of small market town in Norfolk, um, which is always quite a lively town, um, good fun. But uh, yeah, I, th- I suppose being really boring, I had the kind of the lovely childhood. You know, had two great parents, an older yeah. brother, younger sister, um, really, really happy childhood. You know, the days I think uh, I kind of feel sorry for the generations today. They won't have that. You know, playing in the street on your bike, lighting fires, the kind of typical kind of. Yeah. Don't sound like an Ed Sheeran song, but it's the kind of you know the stuff you do there, which is great, you know, simple fun. And I had yeah. a fantastic, you know, fantastic childhood. We yeah. didn't have much, um, you know, maybe compared to other people, but that mattered not a jot. You know, we just had a really happy, loving childhood. What, what so, did your parents do? Um, my mum was housewife. Um, she you know, brought up three kids, and my yeah. dad um, was a director of a business, okay. um, engineering business. So he was. I, I take a lot from my dad. He's still still alive. He's yeah. eighty six now, and uh, talk to him every day. Um, you know, he's my inspiration then because I looked at him and you know totally admired him. And when I was a kid, if my dad was going on a five hour kind of trip in his Ford Cortina at the time to go, I would go with him. And I just loved being in his environment. I loved what he did. I loved the fact if he was a salesman, um, if he got a you know he came out with a big smile on his face, I would mm-hmm. you know I would get that kind of joy as well. So. Uh, yeah, I'd, uh, I thoroughly loved it. And I think that's what gave me the kind of feel in life that, um, you know, one day I want to go into business. And really? Because you saw that, because again, this is something that really fascinates me that, and one of the reasons I always like started with the childhood and the, yeah. and the start of people's stories, because like, to get into that business journey, what, what, where was that inspiration? Where does that come from? Did you, what did you want to be other than a footballer? When, yeah, yeah. Uh, when, when, you... <laughs> when I realised I wasn't going to make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the England football team. Um, yeah, I think I've always I've always enjoyed business, and yeah. I think I took a lot from you know I, as I say I'd go in his car, car journey and chat to him about the business, and he was always really happy to talk to me about that. And yeah. I developed this real interest in business and everything else as well. And uh, at school. Um, we didn't do business, um, but uh, we had a chance to do economics at A-level, yeah. and uh, my A-level results weren't the best. I think I got a D and a, uh, E in maths and whatever, but I took economics for the first time, found it the easiest thing in the world, realised I had a kind of affinity with economics and you know, stormed it with an A, and absolutely loved it, found it Brilliant. so interesting, um, business in general. So, uh, And the numbers side of stuff that you just, I guess... Looking at your your career and your business, yep. wealth management and around around that sort of. I've always been good with numbers, um, yeah. which helped with darts. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I've always had a you know, thing for numbers, yeah. um, and always found you know, I think if you find things easy, you, you kind of find them more enjoyable, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was hopeless at languages or anything like that, and slam. Um, but the number side of thing, I just found relatively easy. So that was a natural kind of course. You know, I was, was going to go into something involving that. Yeah, and then and then what, so, so talk to me a little bit about then that early career. I guess getting into wealth management before. Yeah, and, and yeah. Talk me yeah. A so about I kind that. of um, I did did my A levels. Yeah. Um, I'd applied for universities, and I had a couple of kind of good universities accept me, um, and uh, that was where I was going to go. And uh, I suppose that's quite a life-changing moment. One of the one of the chaps, one of my friends at school, his brother had come back and he'd gone down to Brighton. It was a polytechnic, and at the time, a polytechnic was considered nowhere near as good as university. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you always went to uni if you could. And uh, he came back. He said, "You've got to go to Brighton. Fantastic place." So, being a small, you know, kind of Norfolk town, Brighton, the bright lights and everything else, seemed a kind of glamorous option. So, uh, 
much to my kind of parents' dislike. I said, right, I'm going to Brighton Polytechnic. I'm only going to do business in Brighton. And it's done purely on the basis of this chap said it's fantastic. <laughs> town. The nightlife's brilliant, this, that, and the other. Um, so uh, back in 1985, I ended up going down to Brighton. Uh, did actually where, where we're sat now across the road was where I was. Wow. Very, very different in those days. It was a kind of converted factory. No, no glamour whatsoever. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, did a four-year business course. And I think part of that as well. So we had a sandwich course. So third year was out in in industry, right. in business. So everyone either went to American Express or IBM. That was just the way yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I ended up at American Express, and I think that probably taught me enormous amount about what I didn't want to do. Right. So I was in a big team of. I just found the whole thing so frustrating. I spent 15 months there. hated pretty much every day just because of how... I I like to be where I can make a difference, where I can create something, but there it is literally getting through the days. I I was given a job where which probably took me an hour a day and I spent the rest of the time filling time and uh, it was so frustrating. And you'd look at the politics and the managers and the directors and everyone was a vice president and everything else as well. And uh, all I came out, I was thinking, I will never ever work for a big company. And that, that made, but there was nowhere in the world you could have maybe go to a big company. Um, and it just reinforced my view that, you know, perhaps I, I struggle with having a boss as such. Um, so the, the logical thing for me to do would be to work for myself. Having had no idea what kind of line of business, but I just knew I wanted to work for myself. Really, that, that, that's really interesting. Cause I, again, back to we spoke before we sort of come up, and I mentioned about the hair salon. Yeah. So it's actually, there was a part for me, like I was not a hairdresser, so it was a business thing for me, but there was something just about business that I loved. And yeah. I actually went, when before I got into the salon, I almost had a coffee van business and um, I almost got into property and that loads. Of, I just wanted to work for myself. Yeah, and same, same here, yeah. Business. It, worked, it wasn't necessarily, oh, I've got this real passion for this and I'm going to go and I'm going to go and start that. It was just... I'm going, to, I'm going to run my own business. Yeah. And, you know. I've, I think I've always had this thing of I've always wanted to be entrepreneurial or kind of have this. I mean, mm. I remember a famous story, um, a dear family friend who's no longer with us, but um, I remember one time uh, he, t- he told the story all the time how I turned up to his front door selling daffodils and uh, kind of whatever. And he uh, paid his whatever, went there. It was only half an hour later he went out in his front garden and he said, little bastard stole my daffodils. <laughs> I'd sold him his own daffodils. And I'd basically gone around selling whatever and he tells his story. And uh, <laughs> he would kind of rise smile. But uh, yeah, I think I had always this desire to, I think there's something nice about, you know, earning money. Mm. And I'm not the most materialistic person in the world. You know, I'm not someone, you know, if you said to me, right, you go shopping, whatever. If I never had to shop again, I'd be delighted. <laughs> I have my kind of weaknesses in cars and stuff, but uh, I'm not a particularly materialistic person. Yeah. But I really enjoy the the kind of buzz, I suppose, of, uh, you know, getting that business in or yeah. earning the money. Because there's something about, uh, I was talking to... Um some of you know who's been on the podcast, Gary Peters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. And we, we, we had a, was having a coffee um, yesterday and we're sort of chatting away and we're talking actually about both of our business where we are and actually the sort of, you, you, you run a business and you go out and you start, when you start on your own, you're going out and you're selling and you're going yep. out and you're getting business in. Yep. And then all of a sudden it, you get up a bit higher, you employ some people and then yep. they start doing that and you do a little bit less of that. And sometimes you get to a point where actually maybe things are not going as well and that, the thing that you love doing and you was really good at actually yeah, yeah. you go I just need to get back on yeah. back on the tools if you like and just go back out there and start doing it you realise that's where that you're actually 
there's something you're right, there's something magical about that period where you get a deal over the line yeah, or absolutely is. That's the kind of buzz which I think as the business grows, as you say, when you have, you know, lots mm. of people working for you and we've got mm. eighty odd people working for us now, whatever. Oh. So you're kind of very detached from that yeah. side of things. Yeah. And I absolutely do miss it. Really? You know, it was I thoroughly enjoyed that. I think the you know getting those little notches of success. Yeah. Now I remember, I remember driving once to Lewis to sign someone up. Driving back in my car, I've done fifteen pounds on the sale kind of thing. Being absolutely <laughs> delighted. You know, it didn't matter, and people looking at you crazy. Um, but it was just that fact of I knew that those little wins would eventually kind of you know accumulate to a you know a big win and, and drive forward. Yeah. And I think it's something that frustrates me enormously. Um, with when you look at business now, so people when they come in haven't got haven't been through that kind of, you know, almost like an apprenticeship of because when I started the business, I started with absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of tracking back on. So I'll maybe come to that, but it was that yeah. kind of drive of starting with nothing and thinking, how am I going to pay my bills this week? Yeah. You know, and if I don't go out there and do it, um, no one's going to no. give it to me. And uh, having that drive, which I think that drive and hunger, is missing from a lot of people, and yeah. it frustrates me. And, and yeah, I, I, I completely. I, 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 again, I, an interview I spoke to um, again having that drive, like talking with Kevin Burton when he built, talking about building Checker Trade. Yeah, yeah. He was about uh, you t- talking about that drive and that passion and yeah. that he had for as he grew it. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, when you get to that point and he's you know sold it for a lot of money and, and financially free and all of yeah. those things, you go. He reckons he's got another idea that could be as potentially bigger than Checker Trade. Yet, yep. there's obviously not that hunger there that you 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 have when you've got that. Then I that think it's very difficult to do it twice. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think yeah once yeah. you've been on that journey, yeah. you have to go through a lot of pain to get where you want to go. And <laughs> um, when you're financially, so if you've sold your business for mm. you know yeah, a lot of money, you don't need to work. Yeah. And I think it's very difficult sometimes to do it when you don't need to. Yeah, no, you, it's an appealing prospect of let's go out there, let's build this business up again. And we deal with lots of business people, mm. and it's very rare, if happens at all, where you know we say without that hunger or that need for them to do it, yeah. where it works as well. Yeah. And I think people as well, where they kind of try and do it using other people, is never going to work because those people aren't you. They're not. They haven't got the same drivers. You know, the, the successful people must have had that drive to get there in the first place. Yeah, yeah. So expecting other people, and I think it's you know, not everyone has the ability to do that. Yeah. And it's a it's a big mistake people make just because they're good at one thing. They're not necessarily going to be good when they when they try and do it again. Yeah, I completely agree. And also, there's that there's there's that part of understanding I guess when it's your business understanding that it's you that runs that business yep. and you've got that drive and, and all the people you employ you can build a great culture and have a great group a great team of yep. employees but still they're never going to they're never going to see it like it's their business because exactly. it's not I think that's one of the mistakes I look back on is I expected everyone to to be the same as me <laughs> yet these people you know they go home in the evening and they switch off yeah. you, know, you don't and it kind of annoyed me that they didn't have the same commitment, whatever else, as me over the years. And you go look back and you go, well, of course they're not going to. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah, your yeah. business, it's not theirs. Yeah. Um, but if you apply your kind of, you know, your standards, which, you know, you, you treat yourself to very high standards, if you try and expect everyone else to reach that, you, it's, you know, it's never going to happen. Yeah. You know, if they were after that, they'd be doing it themselves. It's yeah. almost a kind of you know, natural kind of thought process. So, uh, yeah, you learn a lot in business, you know, I... Uh, well, 33, 34 years now wow. is, a, is a long time. And yeah. you learn a lot over that period of time. Yeah. Um, but, um, 
yeah, you look back on it of how you do things slightly differently. Uh, uh, would you, going back, would you do things differently? Oh, it's one of those things you think about. I kind of, uh, someone someone asked me this other day, what would you do differently? And to be honest, I probably wouldn't do much differently. Maybe timings of when you do stuff. But mm. I kind of built the business and I would always, I think in our industry, so you have a lot of people in our industry who are really good at the job, but not necessarily businessmen. Mm. So they're really good wealth managers, financial advisors, everything else as well. And they were brilliant. And they built their business. And we had a kind of industry of lots of small businesses. But they were doing it without the kind of business side. So when I did my, I did my uh, business degree, and at the time, despite thinking most of it is absolute rubbish and we're never going to use this in the real world kind of thing, mm. there was actually a lot of stuff there that you look back on and go, you know, you know, just having a business plan. Mm. And I bet if you speak to most firms, you know, smaller firms, I know, they haven't got a proper business plan, mm. you know, which is craziness. But no one's ever told them to. No, mm. they've started the business. They've got no one, a mentor or whatever, telling them to do it or someone mm. to do it. So they just, you know, things go well. They came on doing it. Whereas I always had the business plan, always had the kind of, Right what from are we the start. You, right from the very start. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I probably, when I started the business, I had a lot of time to kind of plan stuff because I had no <laughs> clients and no money. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I always stuck to that, you know, even now, um, you know, try and have that plan and try and be ahead of the game. You know, try and say, okay, I'm someone that didn't, has never wanted to stand still. I've always wanted to be at that next level. Mm. And I've kind of got to the stage now where, you know, I think as well, um, and I'm sure we'll come on to it kind of, so when I sold part of the business to private equity, mm. One of the reasons there was to get to that next level that I wouldn't be able to do on my own right. without some kind of external help. So there's so. always, for you, there's always that that thought process of, I've got to keep moving forward. Absolutely, I've yeah. got to keep moving forward. Yeah, which I think kind of some people say, well, you'll never be happy because you're never happy with what you've got kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I think, guess it's just what I am. But I'm always, my mind is always active. My mind is always thinking about mm-hmm. whether it's a project at home or whether it's something like that. I love to have something on the go. And, but then, uh, then, but then uh, see, I, I, would, I would question that in the sense that people say you'd never be happy. But actually, from what I've learned, nearly 100 episodes, listening to you talk now, actually it's not the happiness in the in them keep moving forward in that process of wherever wherever you are yep. on that stage that's where you're you are happy because you're doing them things of course of course there's struggle and there's pain points yeah, all yeah. along the way um, i honestly think i mean it sounds probably quite a smug to say but i think i am probably one of the happiest people i know in terms of you know i'm fortunate financially yeah. i've got the you know the best family in the world you know six lovely kids yeah. lovely wife lovely family you know my parents yeah. I'm, i just feel like you know i'm incredibly lucky in that respect yeah. and uh again it comes back to we're talking about like a business you know university you learn things and you used to have these ridiculous kind of charts and models they'd give you i don't know whether you remember is it maslow's hierarchy yeah, yeah, of yeah, needs yeah, 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 so yeah. this funny little pyramid with funny colors yeah, that yeah, you yeah. looked at at the time went what a load of bollocks that is kind yeah. of thing something from the dark ages that and it's one of those things that you look back on and, you know, kind of start off with the kind of physiological needs of, you know, food, water, shelter, whatever, and move up, you know, moving up to kind of, you know, second self-esteem. And yeah. I think that's massively, I think if you're happy yourself and then the kind of top one is self-actualization, which yeah. is a funny concept, yeah. but it's kind of, I relate it, people relate it, I relate it to being your true self, being, have you done, you know, if, you look, if you're on your deathbed looking back, have you done you know, all the things you can do to be the true you. Is that the true Richard Scarrett looking back on his life going, that was a good, you know, I had a good run. I am very, very happy that, you know, what I did in my life was a, you know, a positive thing. And, you know, I, I honestly do. 
and I say I don't want to come across as smug because it, you know if I used to sound that way, look at me, you know, great, whatever. But I think you know it's obviously a lot of fortune, a lot of luck and chance, and whatever goes into it as well. But I've always had this personal business plan as well as a business business plan in terms of where I want to be at that stage in my life, and. Of course, you can't always stick to it because there's external events and everything else, and things don't stick to that. But I've always had this kind of plan of where you know where I want to be, and uh, I kind of had to plan without the final bit. And again, we'll probably come on to this. The final bit was obviously you know looking to sell part yeah. of the business, then all of the business at that, which kind of came about because there's a a very clever chap who's unfortunately no longer with us, um, Nick Ashcroft mm. um, from EMC, who I've known for donkey's years. And uh, you know, kind of a very clever chap, liked him a lot, mm. and uh, managed to kind of coerce me. I think through the promise of a really nice red wine, uh, to have a chat with him. If someone <laughs> wanted to invest in the business, and I'd always battered off everything. You know, you know, it's a great business. It's my business. I'm in control. Why on earth would I change it? You know, it ain't broken. All this kind of stuff, and. Uh, I expected him to come along and say, we've got someone who wants to give you this massive check. Mm. And I would have said, thanks very much, but I can create a, you know, there's loads of stuff I can do, keep building the business, whatever. Mm. And he kind of challenged me in terms of my own personal business plan. He said, okay, you know, you're, I think at the time I was 53, 54. Mm. said, so what's your exit strategy? I said, well, you know, I haven't got one of those yet. He goes, no, you're a clever chap. You're this kind of, you know, planning, whatever. Surely you've got an exit strategy. And I said, well, yeah, not yet. He said, do you think you should have one? I went, probably should. And kind of, you know, moved it, parked it in my brain. Mm. And then spoke about kind of, you know, where I'd got the business, you know, obviously with the kind of biggest in the region and all this. And yeah, that got to that point. He said, you know, how much bigger can you get? And I said, we'll probably reached our kind of glass ceiling in terms of where we can get the business without boring in the details. It's very difficult, you know, we'll only, we'll have organic growth, but to grow by acquisition, which is the only real way in our industry you can kind of move up the, mm. the echelons is, um, it requires a lot of capital. Mm. But the FCA won't let you just borrow money because it counts against your net assets and mm. it's just a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. So we were at this point where we could grow organically and that was it. And he kind of challenged me, he said, would you love to see it be like, you know, one of the biggest firms in the UK, not just in the Southeast and all those kind of things, you know, mm. have you fulfilled your own potential? Have you fulfilled the potential of the business? And uh, the sod kind of left all these thoughts in my brain, <laughs> left it with me and I was going, you know what, he's got, he's got a point. Um, Despite the fact I was very happy and didn't want to change anything, mm. he then followed up with, have you had to think about it? Why do you meet these chaps, these lovely private equity chaps? And I, at the time, had a really negative impression of private equity, which I think mm. most people do because yeah, you yeah. hear the horror stories, you don't hear the good stories. And uh, Heidi, my wife, said, no, might as well have a chat kind of thing. You know, and We turned up in this room expecting these people that I took a dislike to, met this really nice bunch of chaps all incredibly clever and whatever um, that we had a chat with. And they came out of the room going, bugger, this kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of sowed some seeds in my mind as to, and it was all about how we could take the business to the next level. It wasn't about that big check or that, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. um, which I think, you know, for most people, they build a business up and they look forward to that big check at the end and they can mm -hmm. take up golf and do whatever. And, you know, I certainly didn't want to retire, um, which drove me mad. But do, do you think now? Because I, I, I agree. I think people start on that journey. People, we start on our business journey because we go, I'm going to, I'm going to grow something. I'm going to build it, and I'm going to get that big check at the end. Yep. And then I will. But then, actually, back to what, what you was talking about before, that we all need a purpose, and we all yep. need. So, to get to that point where you 
get that big check. And then what, what, what do you do? You go and play yeah. guard, or you sit on your feet. Like you said, if your brain is always working in the way it yeah. does, you're always looking to move forward. Yeah. And that's taken away from you. And then you go, what, what am I going to do now? Just well, sit on a beach and... Exactly. Uh, Which you know, I'm, I can't sit on a beat anyway. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm the most. Yeah. I get. I've got the attention span of a you know, of a gnat, and I, <laughs> I get bored very easily. And I've seen so many people. You know, I've seen you know people sell their businesses in the 40s or 50s, whatever, and just come to this point where everything they're focused on work-wise comes to a grinding halt. Mm. Okay, shit. What am I going to do now? Yeah. You know, and I'm, I've, I think I've got the perfect uh, balance now because. We've taken on a new chief exec, um, which is my choice to, um, you know, so I could step back from. What kind of happened is when when the private equity company invested, suddenly it became a bit more bureaucratic, which mm. it has to be, I guess, you know, rather than being a privately owned smaller company, since you've got private equity and everything else as well, it suddenly becomes more meetings and more this and more yeah. accountability and all this kind of stuff. And that's not a part of the job I like, you yeah. know, um, and... So I think it's kind of that was the that was the only real negative for me was the fact of suddenly it became more bureaucratic. So I lost contact a bit. You know, I stopped dealing with the clients and mm-hmm. had less kind of the involvement I liked, um, and had you know had that, and I didn't really like it. And we had a chance to um, cut a long story short, take on the absolute best CEO we could have. Uh, he was a chap that built Quilter up from nothing to be the second biggest in the country in ten years. Wow. Phenomenal chap. And uh, for some really bizarre reason, had a meeting with him, got really wet on rail, and he took the job. So we've got wow. the absolute best chief exec um, you could possibly. You know, we've got we have a fantastic team. We're batting, yeah. you know, well above our, our weight kind of thing in terms of a. You know, if you look at a smaller regional firm, but you know, we will in two years' time we will be a national firm. You know, we'll be cover the whole country mm-hmm. and everything else as well. But we couldn't have done that without having you know the people oh. and the resources. Yeah. So. Uh, it's, I think, as well, having that journey with kind of that glass ceiling, when we talk about the fact I always want to go forward, I'd probably hit that, and I was probably just getting to the point where I would have gone a bit stale. Yeah. So this, for me, is, you know, it's massively exciting, and it's kind have of you almost reinvigorated that, me. Almost, yeah, I was going to say, almost got that, like you said, that hunger back. Like, let's go back to when you first started. Yeah, you've got that, and you've got to go out and yeah. and, and get that. Bit. It's almost like it forward wind to where we where we are now and almost like a a, a new absolute start new start to the really yeah. is because it's a next level yeah. so i've done level one for 33 years yeah. got to the point where you know it was a you know it's, it's a fantastic business it's you know i'm very very fortunate financially and whatever that uh you know i've got a I wasn't, you know, left needing in that kind of level. So it yeah. wasn't about the, you know, the big check or whatever, and it really wasn't. Um, but the fact that we could move to that next level, you know, Skerritts is, you know, we'll have offices in Scotland, Manchester, North East, where, we're everywhere. Yeah. It's going to become, you know, we've we've already taken over nine or ten other companies um, with the load board and pipeline. So it, it's really happening. And, you know, I think it's, I'm enormously proud that my business that I started in my um in my spare room it was my shared room you know <laughs> with some ex kind of polytechnic dads and uh, that's where we started so to see that happen is just really really satisfying and again it probably comes down to the the maslow's thing of the kind of yeah. you know the what makes you happy past a certain point of when you're you know fed watered and everything else as well it's those kind of things there that um you know i suppose drive you on yeah. and uh it's so, it's so much to take away from me with that. There's so many points that I'm looking at with that. You, uh, one one key thing I think you mentioned with the Maslow's hierarchy and that 
actually in life the authenticity and being yep. yourself yep like you said again I'll go back to a hundred odd episodes people I've spoke to things I've learned I guess mainly from speaking to people on the podcast and the key the key is that actually we've lived a life true to ourselves yeah and, and if you read there's, there's a book by a woman called Bonnie Ware um, a lot of people heard of it the five regrets of the dying she was a palliative nurse yeah she talks and the biggest regret of the dying was that I didn't live a life true to myself yeah yeah it's the biggest regret and that ties totally into that self-actualization, yeah. isn't it? You know, yeah. when you kind of read into what that final little tip on the pyramid is, yeah. that self-actualization is being true to, you know, achieving, mm. being being the best you you can yeah. and being true to yourself. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm in an in- industry where you look back at the 80s, I mean, you looked at financial services, it was rotten. Mm. I mean, just going back a bit on that when I, um, when I started the industry. So when I left college, I decided with... American Express, I was not going to work for a big company. Yeah. And, you know, I've got nothing against American Express. Yeah. They use their cards happily. Yeah. Um, my, my wife used them even more. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's a great company. It just yeah. wasn't for me. And there's a certain thing, you know, I couldn't join the civil service or whatever. That is just not for me. I can't be doing that. I need to have that element where I'm in control. Mm. I don't do bosses very well. I've never had a boss. Yeah. I've had in various jobs in the past, but yeah. um, it's never gone particularly well. I think when I was at Polytechnic, I probably got sacked from three or four kind of whatever jobs just for whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and wimpy and everything else as well. It didn't suit me. So uh, I was kind of looking at thinking, okay, what do I want to do? And I kind of looked at various things. And uh, my friends were getting proper jobs with IBM or, you know, companies doing yeah. the kind of, I suppose, the, the traditional perfect thing to do. You know, one of my friends went on to be a stockbroker yeah. who... I spoke to probably three years ago. I said, "Wish I'd done what you'd done," because he ended oh, up yeah. doing what I did twenty years late, <laughs> and saying, yeah yeah, "Yeah, yeah, okay." Look back, and he was the blue chip stockbroker and everything else as well. So I didn't want to do any of that, and I kind of found myself in a situation where, okay, I've finished college, I've got a bit of debt, um, I've got you know basically to find some money, <laughs> and I've got to decide what I want to do in life because, yeah. uh, as the Baz Luhrmann song goes, you know. Some of them, you know, best people don't know what they want to do when they're 21, 20. I had not a clue um, what I wanted to do. Um, I knew I was good with numbers and I knew I wanted to earn good money. Mm. So, not because I'm materialistic necessarily, I'm not saying it's a bad thing if you are, yeah. um, but it just, I just wanted to earn some good money. I wanted to be successful. I wanted, I suppose, to replicate what my dad had done. Mm. And, you know, I kind of you know, say, look up to him enormously. And uh, I wanted to be someone he'd look at and say, well done, son, you know, kind of thing. That Things like that are still important to me to the day yeah. and uh, and getting that. So uh, I was kind of a bit stuck. And I remember reading the evening Argus, as it was, I still call that now, and looking at the job section, going, okay, better find a job. And all I had to think was said, graduates, job, whatever, it didn't say it was, OTE, 18,000 a year. And at the time, I think as a graduate, you probably, you did well if you were on 12,000. Yeah. I had no idea what OTE was. <laughs> I just ignored that. But 18 grand a year, brilliant, fantastic. Phone up. Of course, they said, yeah, come along. And uh, met this chap. It was a direct sales force with a company called Royal Life at the time. I had no idea what it was. And said, <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, come in here, you should earn 18,000 pound a year. Yeah. You know, basically uh, advising clients and this, that, and the other. I said, great, when do I start? He said, well, you start tomorrow if you want. It's literally that kind wow, of wow. commission yeah. commission only. Wow. I'm totally naive. No, you know, they took on everyone that, you know, could <laughs> string a sentence together and had a kind of shiny <laughs> suit. Um, and uh, said, fine, I'll give it a go. And uh, I think, again, probably one of those kind of moments that changes your life is uh, 
they kind of in those days it was all about and it's dreadful now but cold calling so you yeah, literally yeah. were given a phone book and said right this is your script to phone up so me being you know whatever I was 21 22 at the time so i'll give this a go first couple of people told me where to go in no uncertain terms which yeah. is probably yeah totally deserved <clears throat> and third person i phoned up lovely lady said actually i've got some money to invest can you pop around to see me so uh went to my sales manager and said uh got this lady who wants to see me he said can i come around this afternoon he said well you're not trained yet you're not whatever go and see her anyway just you know use it as kind of experience i said oh, great what about if she wants to invest some money he said well here's a form just fill this out get to write a check whatever she might do a thing called peps at the time the predecessor to isis two thousand four hundred pound whatever so i came back with a check for a hundred and five thousand pounds kind of thing this lady what? done done you know it sounds awful now it turns out I actually did a good job for her, but that was purely accidental at the time. <laughs> and she stayed a client for many, many years and was very happy. And I uh, got wow. back in the... Uh, this is on a, a time when at college I probably had like 3000 a year to you know, spend your money throughout the year. Mm. So you've just earned £3,200 commission on your first day. Wow. I went, buy me. Yeah. <laughs> or words to that effect. Um, wow. I thought, this is good. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> I then had a friend of mine um, this day this before mobile phones. And uh, I met him for lunch. He goes, what are you doing now? He says, oh, you know, doing this bit of pension. I need a pension. So come and do one. Signed him up. Another 500 pounds. And it's like, so I earned nearly 4,000 pounds in my first day of this job going, this is fantastic. Wow. And obviously it wasn't like that every day after that. And uh, I did actually do my training. Um, so I really enjoyed it. I actually got really interested in the investment side of things. Found it really interesting, the stock markets and all this kind of yeah. stuff, which is relatively new to me, but hated the culture. It was literally sell anything you could yeah. to anyone, which I refused to get involved in. Uh, I fell out with my sales manager because I wouldn't do, you know, the kind of stuff they had or wouldn't yeah. do this, that and the other. And uh, spent six months there. Very, very painful. Did okay. But you know what? I actually love the industry, but I hate the culture of the direct sales forces. So I stupidly went and said, help me out. And, so that uh, was it, as early it. as that? Yeah. Wow. It's probably five years too early. Um, <laughs> but I, honestly, I then went, I had nothing. I had no clients. Um, I had absolutely nothing at all. Um, but decided I was going to set up in business. Spent the next five years struggling hugely. You know, it was a kind of my mate should take me out and buy me a beer as a favour kind of thing. Yeah. That's what it was. And uh, yeah, it got to the point where <clears throat> I think I'd kind of done it and I was, I'm a tenacious little sod, so I'd kind of built up a bit. I, th I remember at the time I had a debt of £30,000 I built up with Lloyds Bank, which in those days was quite a lot of money. Yeah. Absolutely a lot of money these yeah. days. And I uh, got to the point my bank manager was very supportive, it helped me, put a new bank manager in. And I got this phone call, I said, right, you've got an overdraft. Overdrafts are short term, not long term. I want it paid off within a month. And my response was, well, if I could afford to pay it off within a month, I wouldn't have it in the first place, would I? Yeah. Don't care, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'd never, you know, really asked anyone for help or whatever. And I got this point and went, shit, I'm in a bit of, bit of trouble here kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's quite a sobering moment. Um, but I knew that things were looking better and I knew that, you know, we were kind of, you know, I'd had a few tough years, but I was getting there. So I went to my dad and said, can you do us a favour? Can you lend me this money for three months? I promise I'll pay it off. He went, absolutely, totally, you know, really nice, believe me. Yeah. Um, he he hated Lloyds Bank at the time as well, as <laughs> I did. So he paid this off, closed the account. I didn't even have a bank account at the time because Lloyds closed the account. Yeah. And uh, I remember walking down Portland Road, knocking, walking in there. Nat West had a bank manager at the time, so I need to open a bank account. And he's like, what's your credit history, whatever. Yeah. I was a nightmare for any bank to take on. And they said, let's have a chat. Really nice old fellow. And he said, okay, what are you doing? He said, tell you what, I'll give you a bank account. I probably shouldn't, but I'll give you a bank account. 
and they can't give you any credit or overdraft or whatever, but you know, you have all the stuff you need. And I went, you know what? I've had my dad lend me the money. I've had this nice chap at now West open a bank account for me. Right, it's up to you. You get yourself in this mess. Bloody get yourself out of it. And I think it kind of, uh, it's probably a bit of a wake up call as well. Mm. And uh, from that point, you know, I'd work 20 hour days, you know, without exaggeration, I'd go, right, I'm going to sort myself out of this mess. And uh, from then on in, I paid my dad off within the three months. And wow. um, yeah, it kind of, uh, it went well. Got a bit of luck along the way. Wow. So uh, that was the, yeah. That was the start of the kind of uh, the success part wow. of things. <laughs> so, uh, so, again, there's, and there's such a great lesson for people, I guess for so many people listening, because there'd be so many people on part of their journey that maybe are up against the wall yeah. and are yeah. in that, that situation. Are in a, and it's, this is one of the reasons I love doing this podcast and having these type of conversations, because people will look at what you've achieved and where you are right now. Yeah. But actually... Let's go right back to that beginning where you are and the stuff you've come through to get. Yeah. It's not been like, oh, you know what? I started my own business and here I am 33 years later with a private equity investment and I'm flying, I'm going to go national, etc. And it's actually all of the whole of that process over those 30 years. Tell what, them, you know right? the old saying, and I, I, I probably use it more than I should because I hate buzzwords, but it's saying, uh, um, was it success is built in the hard times, failure is built in the good times. Yeah. And I really think that, you know, and again, we've been guilty of that. When we've had good times 10 years ago, whatever, you maybe take your eye off the ball a bit mm. because things are going well and you don't look in, you don't stick to that business plan when you should or you yeah. don't look at costs when you do or yeah. everything, you know, it's just going along, things are nice. You don't do the kind of good business planning you should. Yeah. But in the bad times, you bloody do. You know, you have to. Yeah. And you look at those and you put things in place which are, you know, things that are always going to be there but once they're in place they're really good things to have in a business mm -hmm. but I kind of think people who people who start off in a business is a success on day one probably don't have the you know you need the hard times to kind of maybe mentally change it to you know have that focus mm -hmm. but also just to keep you so that you need to go where am I going to what am I going to put in place to make that successful mm -hmm. but it's very very easy with a successful business and we see them you know quite a lot where it's always going okay but as soon as they have a big bad you know whatever that can finish the business you know and it's very easy with things like you know if you look at maybe restaurants they mm. start off there the flavor of the month great everything is good whatever they last a year yeah. you know because everything from day one they haven't had you know things in place and whatever to do yeah. that and i think you almost need you say that apprenticeship as a as a person yeah. but also as a business to kind of get that thing in place and give you that drive to i don't want to be there again I want to buy all my mates a pint back to thank them for yeah, yeah, you know, the times yeah, yeah. they buy me one. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, it certainly did me no harm long term. Yeah. And look, a, a perfect, I guess, example of that is COVID, right? Like, mm. not, not many people had that in their business plan, I'm sure. But, <laughs> but something like that comes and smacks you in the face. Yeah. And actually, like you said, no matter what, I mean, some businesses thrived in that period. Some businesses really struggled, yep. actually. But the ones that had a bit of resilience and looked at their business and went, well, actually, I've got to put X, Y, and Z in place to, yep. to come back and bounce back from this. Yep. They had to look at their business. And, and a lot of businesses actually fell by the wayside yep. because they didn't they didn't have that resilience or hadn't been through them tough times to know how to combat yep. that, maybe. Yeah, I mean, we well, I always look at things as well. So when times are tough in our business, mm. part of me is thinking our competitors are going to find it tough. 
and we're probably in a better position. So I kind of almost look at it and say, you know what, we'll just get an extra kind of you know, notch up compared to our competitors because I think we do things better. Mm-hmm. So I'd always class that as a bit of, you know, okay, we can kind of, you know, we can build the business a bit better or there might be opportunities that exist. Mm-hmm. But with COVID, I mean, we, my first thing was, right, let's do a plan. Yeah, yeah, let's have yeah, a plan yeah. for this. How is this? Because, I mean, it's, it seems hard now. I mean, we, we went through a thing with COVID where we were emailing our clients every single day. Because the markets, you know, the U.S. markets are down 30%. Hmm. You know, you've lost the, if you're all, you know, not our clients, they're all from the U.S. But lots of people who have the Vanguard U.S. fund, whatever, 30% wiped off, global Armageddon. Hmm. But more important than that, are you going to be alive next week? You know, we were all terrified, weren't we? Yeah. Now, I remember at the time, the, the crazy things you look back on now, of, you know, we, we, we wouldn't send letters to clients because we didn't want them getting COVID off the post and the envelopes yeah, and whatever, yeah. stuff like that. You obviously didn't see clients and whatever. Yeah. We all started using Zoom, you know. I've yeah. never heard of Zoom, and suddenly yeah, it became an absolute <laughs> godsend. You know, we'd use, what was it before that? What was this? Skype. Skype, yeah, <laughs> yeah, never, yeah, ever, yeah. never, ever worked. Um, but, it, you know, it, it also as well, but there's lots of stuff there that kind of benefited us as a business. Mm. You know, we had to adapt. And again, it's one of those things in the hard times, you get some of the, you know, successes built there. We've moved now to being a lot more efficient and everything else as well. Yeah. So, you know, we treated that as a, now, our clients were terrified they were going to die. They were terrified their savings were going to be wiped out. We didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know either. Yeah. And we had to take a really bold view on things. So as we have an investment team that manages, you know, a billion or something pounds worth of people's money. And you can look at that going, okay, this is when people really need us. In a rising market, everyone can make money. That's the easy bit. That's the easy bit where, you know... You know, a monkey could be at a keyboard, could buy anything, it'd all go up. Yeah. When times are like this, this is when you have to really take some bold decisions. And some of our competitors went, okay, we're going all to cash, the markets of the world's in a bad place and everything else as well. And we spent hours, days, weeks, you know, whatever it was, thinking, okay, what what is going to happen from this? What is going to happen from a purely financial point of view? Put all the, you know, are we going to be alive and everything else as well? But let's yeah. look at the world markets. I mean, okay, there's some winners out of this. You know, if you've got shares in Amazon or Sky, yeah. um, Zoom or whatever, there's there's winners. You know, the tech yeah. companies are going to do well. They're going to come out of that. Um, well, you wouldn't really want to be an airline or a cinema or a restaurant or anything else as well. So yeah. you can kind of, there would definitely be some winners. Yeah. And we looked at that markets down, whatever. We said, you know what, this is a this is a single issue problem. It's a big single issue. It's a yeah. virus that's killing you know millions of people. But it's a single issue thing. What's going to happen? And we have to take a view. You know what? We think they'll find either a vaccine or a cure or, you know, something there which is going to make this better. Mm. So at the moment we're looking down this, you know, worst case scenario. It won't be as bad as that. So rather than going into cash and being whatever, we actually went slightly more, you know, what things would pick up. And we actually ended up having a really good year for all our clients, which was fantastic. But it was a bold move to do. But you look back on it and it's kind of obvious. You know, take away the sentiment, the emotion, everything. Yeah, okay, things are ready, down. But things will get better, you know. Things will improve. People are still gonna. The, the world's wealth is not going to go away. Because I, I, I guess a couple of things. As a, as a businessman, got to be an optimist, right? Yeah. Especially, I guess, in, in within your industry and in your world, there's got to be that air, air of optimism that you've got to be able. It to has be. to be tempered with realism as well, though. Right. Okay. Because uh, you see lots of people that are overly optimistic. I mean, one of the big things recently is. Um, cryptocurrency and bitcoin yeah. whatever there's a lot of optimists in that you know <laughs> I, I know someone that um in our industry very clever chap sold his business for millions invested it all in bitcoin and pretty much lost 80 percent of it 
No. There's people out there that you just go, you know, crazy. That's one of those life lessons, isn't it? If it yeah, sounds yeah, too good yeah, to be true, it normally is. And, you know, have a balanced approach to everything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think in that, you know, everyone is going to get really rich on Bitcoin. I've yeah. never, I've never bought Bitcoin or whatever in my life, no, me neither. and uh, I never will. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not real. Um, but um, yeah, I think you have to be optimistic. Yeah. You have to believe you'll get to where you want to go. Yeah. Otherwise, give up now, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and, it, and it's, like you said, that gets you through those tough times as well, doesn't it? Yeah. When, you're, when you are up against the wall, you've got to, you're going to believe that actually this is a storm and this will part. And I think like you, you're actually looking at it like that from COVID's point of view, actually yeah. looking at it rather than going. God, this is an absolute disaster and let's yep. move all this over here actually let's look at it quite logically I, I'm, I'm assuming looking yeah, yeah. At actually this is a this is a single problem yep. a big problem but a single problem yeah, yeah, that yep. actually we can we can move out yeah if you take the sentiment away yeah. obviously you know it was and you yeah. know we are where we are now kind of thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's just f- further problems have replaced it <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's it there's always going to be them challenges I look, I'm really good let's, let's interject now with, the, with our next life in 60 seconds like, we're sort of delved into COVID and a couple of other bits, but talk to me. Give me 60 seconds, a challenge that you faced in your career, in your life, in business, and what you learned from that experience. Okay. Probably one of the the biggest, whether it's a challenge or not, but one of the biggest things that happened is um, we had an ex-member of staff um, that left us, went somewhere else, took them to court, won a court case, and then came back at us and decided to have a really kind of spurious claim against us. And uh, without going into detail, because mm. it probably shouldn't, but uh, so we ended up being involved in this involved in this court case that 100% we were right. You know, mm. I'm a very honest person. Mm. I was telling you the truth from everything, whatever. And uh, that's, that's, I can't remember what the, the court said. There's uh, sometimes people's minds get muddled when they're under pressure in court, which basically cover up for the fact they're lying. Um, so we went through this really very expensive court case. It probably the biggest mentally thing you know has happened to me it was mm-hmm. i found the whole thing dreadful and uh you know being in court every day and we kind of approached it saying right we're going to have the best solicitors the best barrister the best everything else and went mm-hmm. there and we got you know six or seven witnesses that were all backing me up mm-hmm. against this one chap and uh thinking that's the right thing to do you know i've got total faith in the legal system and uh, we had a deputy judge this lady who just took a dislike to me felt really sorry for this poor chap who's all on his own who absolutely played the sympathy card and uh, she voted in his favour or judged in his favour and the injustice and the anger of that is something that I'll never get over you know it's just so so wrong you know it cost me personally a huge amount of money um, and which I can you know that's business kind of thing Um, but the fact of the injustice of that and there's absolutely nothing I could do about it and the fact that this person who by then I hated more than anything else in the world because yeah. he was an absolute chancer and he'd done it before and he'd, he'd lied all the way through, um, basically uh, won and walked off with a big check. And I think that's kind of... I think it's taught me to pick your battles because the lawyers did say at the time, you know, settle before you go to court, whatever, and I was so confident that, you know right would come through and everything whatever and you know despite being told well you know the legal system doesn't always work that way and you've got to weigh it up and do whatever and i would say one thing i love that is if you can help yourself never ever go to court because <laughs> <laughs> it's the most painful awful experience it's completely i mean it affected our business mm. you know because my eye was off the ball it was obviously focused on that it affected me personally it affected everything and absolutely dreadful experience but because uh, i guess as well with that 
at that point it's very, really difficult when when there's injustice there and you yep. feel like some like, let's go back to being at school yep. intimidation yeah, whatever yeah. Them things look like I'm not going to let that person take the piss yep. out of me um, I know I'm in the right yeah. so I'm going to so then actually you're a really logical person sometimes emotions get involved yep. and actually that will take over yep. and you go I'm confident that we're going we're gonna to win this because I know I've done the right thing. You just and assume that the right will prevail. You know, yeah, it's uh, and yeah. also as well. You know, you've got six or seven people all with the same story against one person. Yeah, yeah, You'd yeah. have thought that that person, these other people, were respected people. You know, yeah. there's a, and you just cannot. You know, to this day, I'm trying to think about it. You cannot fathom how this. And you've got one person there that makes that decision, and he says, "Okay," she said, "I disbelieve all of you. I believe him." I'm going to join. And he's like. It's the, it's the fact of I think as well, I like to be in control of situations, mm. and I had no control, you know, in there because that was down to her. Yeah. And uh, you walk away there, and it took me, you know, it took me months to get over that. Um, a, it's just, I guess, it's just the, it's just the kick in the teeth, and it? it's a punch in the face where you yeah, just yeah. go, like, and we, you again in business people have said you know what if I get through the day and I've only been punched in the face three times I'm doing alright you know I'm having yeah, a good yeah. day so we do we face so many different things in, in business but something like that is going to it does like I said it's more I guess the emotional drain on you that it yeah. just it's the unfairness it's the car. I've always led you know I always have this thing, and again, something I learned from my dad is people would always say about him, although he's a salesman, he wasn't really a salesman. He was just a chap. They knew that his word was true. Every, you know, a really good, honest, on. and I've always tried to say, you know, hopefully I can, you know, I've always done the best thing for my clients every single time I've dealt with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't gone, okay, we can make more money doing that and whatever, of course yeah. you could, but we've never done that. You know, I put my head in the pillow at night and go, I've had a, you know, I've done a, done a good thing. And I just want to go through life people being fair so when that comes through and you've got the legal system helping them get to yeah, that yeah. it's just uh, yeah awful but because uh, uh, again back to your dad and things going back to business in general what the one thing i i remember getting it first getting into business one thing i promised myself would be that everything i do is with integrity yeah that's absolutely. a big word for yeah. me everything like people <coughs> buy people whatever industry we're in yep. where people buy from people yeah so i'm always promised that like you said i'm uh, 44 now i'm well aware that not everyone's going to like me and i'm okay with that which <laughs> i never used to be yep. yeah, um, yeah but i am confident i can walk into a room and people won't go he's fucked someone over yeah oh, he's done that so you have got to look over I'm, your shoulder no, you? exactly yeah. like, as you mentioned you yep. can put your head on a pillow at night Knowing you've done the right thing, yeah, yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm okay with that. Sometimes there's a, you know, again, when you're building the business up, there's that temptation that yeah. you could, you know, in our industry, it would have been easy to yeah. maybe do things slightly differently and come out there with, you know, more money at the end of the month. Mm. But I could never do that. You know, there's no way in the world I could do that. Um, and again, when we when we had the investors come in, the private equity. Mm. My biggest question for them are, what's going to happen going forward? Are my clients still going to be treated the way we treat them now? Because mm. I'm fortunate enough that I can be, you know, I don't need their, you know, a bigger check for kind of, yeah. there's companies out there that you'd never sell your business. Some people do because they give a bigger check. You yeah. know, I'd never want to do that. I haven't spent the last 30 some years treating my customers really well to then have someone do the exact opposite of that. And it's really, really important. Because it is dead in that, like, I guess listening to you talk and listening about your sort of uh, that you, you you've built something to your baby and you've yep. grown it to, to to the stage and like you said, some people will get it and they've sold it and they walk away into the sunset and that's fine for them. Yep. But it, almost like the, 
having, I guess the question for you is how important is legacy to you? Like, is, is it something that you've built this and you don't want it to be that your business is merged, taken over and gone down a completely different yep. route as, against Massive all your values? That was always a kind of, uh, so, you know, w- with the next scale, you know, with the next level of the business, with the new chief exec as well, he is 100% on the same page as me, you know, our CFO and everyone as well. We want that to carry on being, and we set ourselves out as being, we're never going to be the biggest, we're never going to be the cheapest, never going to be whatever, but we will be the ones, that the, and our new CEO says, the, the best, the best in the country, and it's the best in every single way, for clients first, staff second, us lot third, which, you know, sounds, it's easy to say, yeah. but, you know, I honestly think we do do that, and I think part of your success is treating clients well. But, you know, the business, it's easier, isn't it? If you treat your clients well, they're going to stick with you. They're going to bring other people in. It's not rocket science. Do it that way. And you can make a quick buck. And I've seen many companies in our industry make a quick buck. You know, they all uh, played a lot of golf. But uh, I'd rather <laughs> be where I am now because I've, you know, I've played the long game of doing things properly. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, you know, it's a great industry to be in if you do it well. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And the, I guess just... Still touching on that, like over the over thirty odd years of running a uh, running a business, which you know how many businesses we can go down to sixty six. How many businesses failed that first year? Yep. And, uh, <laughs> like I guess talk, talk to me, especially the, uh, that beginning part, which is fascinating and learning about that and those struggles. But talk to me about some of the other challenges and, and stuff and other pain points. I guess that you've had over the over the over thirty years of running yep. a business and growing it from. From you to what you have about eighty staff. Yeah, talk to me about some of those. I think probably a lot of my pain points. I kind of, I kind of got them all out of the way <laughs> in the <laughs> yeah. first few years, and you know that was incredibly painful. But um, we kind of got those out of the way. I think you're always going to have. There's always going to be things, external forces that mm. you know. No matter how good your business plan is, no matter how determined and hard you know working and everything you are, there's always going to be external forces. So changes in the industry, mm. or a big competitor suddenly sets up you know in Brighton whatever, which can be a bit of a pain. We've outlasted all of them, so that's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, things like that. I mean, occasionally you get a. We have very few clients leave us. But occasionally a client will leave, and I take that so personally. You know, I take that as, yeah, yeah, absolutely do. And, you know, it might be a client's moved up north and they want to deal with someone up there, but I still take that, you know, hang on. Well, (laughs) I take that very, very personally. I think I've always, you know, it's my name above the door. I've always treated it, everything there, I take it really, really personally. Because you care, right? If there's, you know, one of the clients there that deals with one of the advisors that's unhappy, I will phone them up. You know, they've, I haven't met them before, but I just, you know, I want to phone them up. I want to, you know, tell me what's, you know, tell me what's wrong. Can we fix this? If we can, we'd really like to. Fully understand if you've made your mind up. But I uh, still do that. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it is my, you know, my number of the door. And uh, I take it all personally. So, uh, wow. Well, I'm, I'm keen as well. Like, I, I, I often, we're going to... One of the main reasons for starting a podcast was trying to unlock or define what success is to, and it's different for everyone. That's what certainly what I've, one of the things I've learned. But yep. the caveat to that is obviously failure, yep. and running a business and going through difficult times, pain points and stuff. What what's your relationship like with failure? Uh, 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 I'm really bad at failure. <laughs> I uh, I know that you know. Some people say you know you can't run do anything without making mistakes or without failing. You learn from it, move on, kind of thing. But I am not good with failure. Yeah. I kind of you know, obviously everyone wants everything they do to work. Um, I think sometimes people are more relaxed than I am. You know they expect certain things not to work. 
Um, but um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not great with failure. Um, you know, I want. I want everything to work. And uh, again, I'll probably take it personally or blame myself if it doesn't work, even if it's not my fault. I'll still uh, yeah, try and do that. So. Uh, Hey, of course, running a business, there's going to be lots of things that don't work. There's going to be lots of mini failures along the way. Hopefully, nothing that's kind of you know mortal. Um, but um, you know, we've we've had you know, lots of things. I can look back on things that we've done wrong. But I think it's a definition where there's if you try something that doesn't necessarily work, it may be a case of you know what well, we've tried that. That's good. We've yeah. kind of learned from that or done whatever. So I won't necessarily class that as a failure because I think that's another step forward. But when you do something, it's just outright failure. I, yeah, I guess that's a really interesting take on it because I, I guess there's a, there's a two put like, I would say, like for me, I guess it's, it's the narrative around failure for me is yep. that, that we need to potentially change in the sense that look, I, I did, I, you know. I would class the salon as a big failure. I closed it. I lost money, yep. and it was no. Uh, but one hundred percent, it was the right thing for me to do at the yep. time, and I have learned a huge amount from that. Yep. But I, I, I guess the the what, what what the key is, and listen to you talk as well, it's just about actually being able to try different things and yep. being okay with the fact that actually if it doesn't work, that's fine. But I'm gonna. I will le- what, what I will learn from that. It doesn't necessarily mean that try because I've, if if I guess the point is if you if there's a fear of failure, you don't want it to fail. Yep. So, no one does. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah. Who wants to fail? No yeah, one. Yeah. But actually, if we uh, uh, because you wouldn't try anything new potentially if you go oh well if I make a mistake or that doesn't quite go out according to plan. It's being able to adapt and go okay, we'll yeah. try something else. So I think yeah, again, I mean, you know, if we if we take on our senior member staff and mm. they're rubbish and we have to kind of get rid of them, I class that as a failure, and I hate that. Well, okay. you know, yeah, I, yeah. I take that as a yeah. you know, um, uh, yeah, I don't, it doesn't sit comfortably with me. But if we try something new in terms of, you know, I think the reason our business has done well compared to if I look back to when properly started, so the business is running okay, mm. we probably had. 10 other businesses similar size to us in Brighton Hove yeah. and I knew all you know as a small community knew them all yeah. and I th- probably safe to say probably only one or two of those are still in business um, you know we've kind of moved up there and I look back on that and say you know we just try to do things differently we try to kind of look at the next stage have the business plan there and we tried lots of stuff and uh, lots of marketing we're heavily into the marketing you know on the radio and did yeah. some TV stuff and all that kind of um, stuff there which you know not all of that worked yeah. but it's all part of the plan so we're yeah. fine you know they kind of got us to where we want to go um so trying new stuff and it doesn't work i wouldn't necessarily class that as failure no. it's just part of the overall thing of you know yeah. we gave it a go let's let's, let's, you know, let's keep going yeah. but um sometimes you know you do things and say and no one likes to fail do they no. <laughs> and i think that's it look and I, and I talk about it on here a lot but not in the sense that you know our whatever I do next I don't fail I don't want to yeah. I don't, don't want to fail to learn more yeah. stuff I'm okay with actually let, let, let's let's learn other ways like this for example yeah. I learn you know I've learned so much from having these type of conversations it's very cathartic for me it's an education yeah. right so I'm, I'm very fortunate but um it, it's just about I guess being okay with the sense that look I don't I don't want to fail no one wants to but if things don't quite go right I'll, I'll take a learning from that. Yeah. And I'll go and do, and, 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 and That's the thing, I think, and, you know, we say that to our kids quite a lot. If they do something wrong, learn mm-hmm. from it, move on. You yeah, know, yeah, don't, yeah. don't fest, you know, whatever. Okay, that's happened. You can't change the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of those strange things that someone said to me, you know, it's the most simple concept, Rod, you cannot change the past, so don't worry yeah. about it. 
And as soon as your brain goes, you know what? Don't you know? I can't change that. I cannot change that. Okay, there's nothing I can do. You know, whether it's being a drunken idiot on a night out where you go, oh, you know, whatever, yeah. or doing something wrong or spending too much money on there, whatever it is, you can't change that. Yeah. And if you can't change it, don't fret about it. Just yeah. move on, learn from that, don't do it again. Obviously, yeah. being a drunken idiot on a one I've done many, many times and Mate, uh, you, you you still got it. <laughs> that could be a whole other podcast. Absolutely, yeah. If only I could remember it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you have to kind of, you, there's always going to be things you. You're not, you're not going to be perfect. And again, yeah. if you expect perfection, you're always going to be disappointed. Yeah. You know, it's a that's such a key message. Because mm. how many people will be listening that go that are thinking about starting their own business, but yep. won't because they oh, it's not quite right. Yeah. The, um, yeah, the market's a little bit like this or whatever. There's always going to be a reason not to do something. Yeah. Right? And, and again, it goes back to the thing: if you start a business in a bad time, that's a great time. Yeah. Not at the time, but afterwards, that's a great yeah. time to do it. You know, yeah. that's when you get things right because yeah. you have to. Yeah, you haven't got the luxury of you know things being easy. Yeah. Well, talk, talk, if, uh, this is one uh, we, we do our conversation quite often. Chuck this around when we we turn. I'm really keen. If if you could go back to a specific moment over the, the period, yep. and change it, what would it be? Um, I guess don't go to court. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Still I think if I could change how I've kind of built the business up. To be honest, I wouldn't change an awful lot just because I think the things that, you know, the, you say the failures have shaped how we are. Mm. We've learned from them. And that's helped us grow stronger as we've done that. Probably what I would have done is when uh, lovely Nick came to see me and said, you know, do you want to change things? I probably should have because he tried for a few years before that. <laughs> I wish I'd kind of maybe had the conversation earlier because um, I think I'm you know, really enjoying this stage of the business. You know, the business is really improved because we've got massive resource now and all the kind of stuff we we couldn't do before just because of that or the people and everything else as well mm -hmm. um and you know again time of life i'm what, 56 now or 56 57 kind of, um yeah you know it'd be nice to have that extra couple of years of you know mm -hmm. enjoying life now with a bit you know a bit less pressure as well so mm -hmm. probably and i think it's very difficult when it's your business to even think about having other people involved and i go back to the thing i said i've never had a boss Mm. Suddenly now, when you have private equity, you know who are big shareholders in the company, um, you know they're kind of your bosses. Yeah, you know they more, don't more people to answer to. They right? don't deal with you know they don't tinker day to day. They don't micromanage. Don't whatever because mm. they haven't got the time and inclination to do that. But at the end of the day, you've still got someone there that you have to answer to in board yeah. meetings and everything else as well. And I think there was a bit of a fear of I'm not going to be very good at this. Yeah. But if you get the right people. You know, it's it's fine. It's nice to have that because I kind of feel, you know, I've had a fantastic team. You know, we've built the business up and I certainly haven't done it on my own. You know, mm -hmm. I've done it with fantastic people. But, again, that pyramid, you're the person at the top that all the buck stops with and everything else as well. Mm -hmm. Having, you know, really, really good people, you know, far better people than me involved in the business that can come in and, uh, you know, share or share that burden, I'm really enjoying it. So mm -hmm. I probably would have done that to say listen to nick a few years earlier had that conversation <laughs> and uh you know, be a couple of years further down the line but uh That's really and, and actually <clears throat> nice i guess for people to listen to because like you said actually private equity probably gets a bit of a bad rap really and there are some bad private equity people out there. Sure, it absolutely sure. is yeah um, i'm sure but yeah. to hear a story actually of and listen to a founder and someone that's sitting in front of us now and and talking about a really positive experience that actually it's enhanced the position that they yeah. where they and and they're taking their baby that they've built up into something bigger than they could have ever maybe yeah. imagined like well, well, I guess when you go back to when you first started that 
what, your business w- w- was it was it oh, I'm going to grow it to, uh, to that so where, where was the <coughs> in that plan where yeah. was the I mean I had this I had this plan of where I want to get the business yeah. and I'm really kind of yeah, financially based so I'm really kind of focused on the financial security aspect you know when I sold the business if I sold it if it didn't pass down to the kids we I think we all have this romantic dream that you know, I've, got, I've got lots of kids they'd take it over and <laughs> stay a family business in reality it's probably never going to happen there's probably a good thing it doesn't happen because you know the, the kind of typical thing about next generations and whatever run things differently um, so I think from that point of view I wanted it to be something that you know my retirement or semi-retirement whatever I had the option to do whatever I want whether I carry on working or do charity work or do whatever you know I've kind of decided in when the next stage goes ahead because the private equity tend to be around for a bit then it moves next level private equity and it's kind of how it moves up so it's all a kind of preset plan mm. and there'll be a point where my working life will either stop altogether or will be minimal mm. and uh, again having the option to do all the things I want and I certainly don't want to kind of, uh, I'm not going to sit and watch Countdown and uh, <laughs> yeah. take up Crown Green Bowls. Yeah. Um, but I want the options, you know, to do all the, all the stuff I want to do. Yeah. So that was always a kind of, you know, that aspect of, and I think everyone has the same, don't they? They just want to be in a situation whereby they've got enough. And I think enough's a good word. Yeah. Um, enough to do everything you want, then you're, you know, a very, very happy person. And I've just got to get myself around to getting that stage where I say, you know what, I'm happy with what I've got rather than always wanting that next thing. In, intrigue because obviously again back, back to the the thing about throughout that journey trying to be in the moment and appreciating being grateful for where mm. you are right now yep. now you, you, you go back at the start when you're first starting out and you go right in 10 years time you're going to have X amount of staff yep. and you're going to be doing that you'd have gone God, yeah, yeah. it'd be great to get there and then you're there and you go you're constantly we, I, I always find this quite difficult because there's always going to be because of how your mind works and because of our as entrepreneurs business owners we're generally like that we're there's got to be something yeah. i've always got to be striving for something i'll be happy when be happy that's when. The yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. key not to do, for me yeah. what i've trying to learn and trying to get better at is i'm not going to delay my happiness until i get to that point yeah, yeah. it's about being happy where i'm being grateful where i am right now yeah and what because you say about what's enough what 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 is enough like because financially Potentially, you've got enough. Yeah, and, oh, absolutely. And, that, and, that, and don't yeah, need I'm very, it, so. very fortunate I've yeah. got enough. So I don't need, you know, the money I don't need, or the cars, or the house, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm very, very lucky in that respect that I've got that. But you still have this mind where you're still chasing stuff. But yeah. it's that point where you say to yourself, you know, let's enjoy the moment. Yeah. And you know, there's a there's a film. I'm a rubbish with films, but the one where the champ has the ability to fast forward his life. I don't know if you right. remember the film. And it's kind of. It's a f- film is a bit rubbish, but the concept was great. Yeah. <clears throat> so he gets to the point where he goes, "Oh, you know, you're going to get a promotion in a year's time, and that would solve all his money worries. He could buy the new car, the house." So he fast forwards his life to a year's time, then he doesn't get the promotion, then he fast. And it's kind of stuff of it's a really good way of kind of conceptualising that. Always waiting for I'll be happy when I'll be happy when I'll be happy when I get the new car or the new house or the new whatever when that happens, and it's such a shame and we're all guilty of it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Thinking that something in the future is going to make us happier when we should look at ourselves and you know what everything's great now, and enjoy enjoy this moment now because yeah. nothing's going to make you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Well, it, it, but but this again look, but the, the whole the whole concept of the book. What's come out recently, especially the rebirth for this, and that's why it's so brilliant to have you on this, this, this series, is that, that 
for me, helping the world, the, the tagline has been helping the world to see success differently, right? Yeah. So, because it's exactly that. Like, there, there's not one person I've spoke to, actually, who's come on financially free or whatever, whatever level you've got to, that actually, you go, know, that's the moment where I've gone, yeah, I'm really happy. Yep. Like, you've looked back over the period and you've gone, it is growing the business. Like, you, you talk about that, them early stages and tough and people buying you a pint and stuff yeah. like that. But actually, you know what? I agree. And look, and you still see the passion. Like, sitting opposite you now, you can still see the passion of you talking about your business. Yeah. And about, and like, almost like reignite with this new phase and this new stage is going, what? And that, that that's got to be happiness. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and I know you. I need, got... I need that bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I yeah. don't, you know, that's one thing I kind of look at going forward and say, I know I need that. So I'm invigorated now mm. with, you know, the building of the business to a, you know, from a regional to a national. Mm. Massively exciting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what a fantastic, I've, you know, I've got the best job in the world because yeah. I've got lots of people doing a lot of stuff I don't want to do and mm. I get involved in the sexy stuff um, yeah. and they pay me for it. You know, it, it's fantastic. Um, so when that kind of next stage after that, because obviously that's not going to be forever, yeah. um, I've got to kind of think about that and say, you know, I need to I need to keep that. I, I don't want to kind of step back from that and go, I really miss that. Yeah. I've yeah. got to have something I can do. And again, planning, you know, I'm yeah. kind of thinking there's, there's stuff I've got, you know. And again, I think I'll be in a really fortunate position where I'll be okay and I really want to kind of do it as a, a good friend of mine, Chris Goodman. Yeah. Um, you've seen what he's done yeah, with the Focus Foundation. Yeah. I look at that and say, what a fantastic thing he's done. Yeah. And I'd love to do something similar. You know, yeah. again, you know, he's very fortunate in terms of he's you know been very successful in business, totally deserved everything he's got. Yeah. But he's now focusing his attention on going forward, yeah. on doing that. And I yeah. look at that and go, that what a great thing to do. That's yeah. got to that's got to be even more satisfying than the business yeah. stuff. You know, doing that because you can you know look at what that achieves. 100%. Chris has been on and um, we had a we had a really good conversation and it was it was again fascinating talking about that because again similar to yourself like built financial security financial wealth and actually mm. recognizing that as great as that is and as comfortable as that makes you financially that's not where your purpose is yep. and your drive because I'm keen to like what was back to them early stages and and along the journey was your driver that financial game was it that I'm going to earn X amount of money? I'm going to do probably less of the kind of monetary numbers, yeah, and more of the fact I wanted to be seen as successful. That's but in, in whose eyes? Uh, in society, my dad, my family, my yeah. wife, my kids, my the people that matter. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the opinion. I don't care what most people think mm. and you know he kind of said you get to the age where you realize not everyone's going to like you and i'm sure you know i kind of think i've always you know, handled myself okay i'm sure mm. i've made a few kind of you know people for whatever reason mm. haven't liked me probably goes back to those drunken nights we, <laughs> we spoke about but you know you, those people don't matter you know that's all you know white noise don't yeah. care about that but the people who you know, really matter to you. I wanted to be successful in those. I wanted to be, I'm very competitive. Mm. You know, I play my eight-year-old daughter at Monopoly. I have to win. I don't let her win. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how many teams are, I have to win. Um, stuff like that. You know, yeah, I'm kind yeah. of very, very competitive. And I think that's a fun, we joke about all the scares. Mm. My my kids and my nieces and nephews and whatever, we, we're lucky we've got a fantastic, you know, we've got 28 people coming for Christmas lunch this year. Wow. And wow. Uh, we get on absolutely brilliantly well, but we're all competitive. If we're playing <laughs> pool or darts or whatever, everyone plays to win. You know, there's no niceties. Yeah. Uh, but, well, there is, but, uh, you know, this is real kind of competitive nature there. So I think I've always had this and I've always wanted to be, and again, I think 
when I didn't go down there, you know, good friends of mine, I'm still going there, went down the traditional kind of job routes on my mm. friend that became a stockbroker. And you look at that guy, you know what, I've taken a different path. I've got to prove I made the, you know, I chose the right path. Mm. I've got to be more successful than them. But then, then is there sort of question, uh, again, back, back to where you see successful in 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 the sense that you've grown a business that's based on a finance because people would look at you from a financial point of view and go you've built a financially successful business and that's yep. uh, potentially <clears throat> a lot of business generally that's the metric that we generally yep. measure success right yeah um i guess the question to you over the over the years is how, how your own measure of success is that based on that financial I remember going back when times are hard. I remember one of my measures of success. I had a, I had a Ford Escort that cost me 150 quid mm. at the time. It had been in three. It had been written off three times by insurance companies. Yeah. Four different colour panels, whatever. The first time I went in there, I could fill the petrol tank up, and be confident my car would work. I honestly, to this day, I'll never forget treating that as you know what's going. You're doing okay, and that was a, you know. And it's kind of, it's one of those strange moments that I'll never forget. Yeah. Because, you know, I had no money. I'd go in there sometimes and I'd check what the minimum amount of petrol you could put in. You know, it really was at level. I'd go to the cash point expecting it to <laughs> clear off kind of thing. Um, so just getting that and thinking, I've got a full tank of petrol here. And I've earned it myself. That was a, that was a seismic moment, you know. It was a, and uh, those yeah, the wins. And it's trying, I guess, back to what you said before about now being in the moment and actually appreciating where you are at mm. that time like you said like that we again high, Maslow's high working needs how much mm. you need what do you need all them things yeah. but actually like that the satisfaction and the enjoyment the euphoria moment of that yeah so I've never forgotten it I can remember it clear as day that was, that was a great moment compare that then let's compare that to the day private equity come in and you sit down with those people and you sign you and, yep. and you, you're in that situation where, wow, I'm, the business is sold for, for that part of the business. I've yep. got that X. Yeah. How do they compare? You know what? It sounds, probably sounds completely ridiculous. That was probably more satisfying, filling that car up, because that was a, a probably more important to me at the time. You know, yeah. ha- since with the private equity, yeah, they gave me an awful lot of money now. They're going to give me an awful lot of money in a couple of years' time. And, you know, far beyond my expectations, dreams and everything. But it kind of gets to a stage where, you know, for the last few years I've been very financially secure. Mm. Um, that's not going to change my life. You know, we, you know, to be honest, it wouldn't, you know, it's kind of thing people say, what do you do if you want one? I go, you know, I'm in a fortunate position where over the years I've managed to build up. I'm not materialistic. I've got everything that makes me happy. Um, I'm sure my wife would like to go to Selfridges a bit more. And, uh, <laughs> and so, um, but, you know, from that point of view, I'm very, very happy. So when that happened, the fact they gave me, you know, there was a, an entry on my bank statement with an awful lot of zeros on it. And I looked at that and we kind of had a joke with my mates, you know, kind of it became one of those, it was more funny than anything else. Mm-hmm. We're at dinner parties, oh, look, I just paid this money. It was, oh, great, you know, fantastic. It was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but it was that kind of... I suppose I'd had the, you know, it didn't change my financial security or my outlook yeah. or what I could do so much. If you'd gone from, if you'd gone from oh, earning twenty five grand a year, yeah. and then 
that yeah. comes in. Maybe there's a, a, a dip, because like you said, over the, over building a business over 30 years and, and building the financial wealth, I guess you had done prior to that, it's just more money on top of what It's the more money that I stuck in the bank. They, and, yeah, you know, that you're in a, you know, like you said, how much more you don't need, there's only a certain amount we actually need, how much more do you need and blah, 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 what else could you, yeah. so it's not, that doesn't change. I guess the key, the reason you sit in front of me and, and seem genuinely in a, great place and a happy person and all of those things because actually you've still got you've still got your purpose and you've still got something that you you're passionate about that you love doing yep. and you're growing a business in that yeah. sense no? yeah I'm still you know so I treat it as my baby you yeah. know I still own a big chunk of the company mm. and you know I suppose it's that kind of you say you're talking about legacy mm. you know that business is going to go from strength to strength you know it absolutely well it is every day it kind of it gets up there you know, we've got a fantastic chap and a fantastic team running our business. So just watching that happen, it fills me with enormous pride. Yeah. You know, compared to say sitting in my <laughs> sitting in my uh, very small bedroom in a shared house was a kind of you know way beyond whatever. I always I always had this feeling I'd do well. You know, I was gonna I was gonna make sure that happened. Yeah. You know, so I'm a tenacious sod. So I was always gonna no matter how tough, I was always gonna get to a good place. Um, but um, say with a bit of luck and that kind of where wind we kind of got to a you know a really good place. So. Brilliant. Get back to the expectation as well of other people. Can you pinpoint? Is there a, was there a part along your journey where you looked around and was like from your dad, from people around you that 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 that, that level of success that you thought you'd achieve? Is there was there a point that you got to that and went? Uh, now I've made it. Now I've, I've, I'm there. Uh, I think it kind of happened gradually. Yeah. You know, you kind of look back and you think, you know, things are good. You know, there's yeah. probably moments where um, on my 40th birthday, I bought myself a nice car. Yeah. And it was delivered on the back of a truck. And as it came off, everyone in the street looked. And I looked at me, you know, I kind of felt, you know what? <laughs> and that's, you know, so I'm not materialistic, but I love cars. Yeah, I always yeah. have. But that was one of those moments where I must admit feeling a bit of a smug git. Going, you know what? <laughs> this, you've made it scary, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, especially since so the chap who lived opposite, I didn't, didn't particularly like. He was out there looking through his window, and I'm thinking, yes, <laughs> I win. Um, so, yeah, things like that. I think there's, you know, there's nice Your milestone. It's quite, it's nice moments in life yeah, that, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you know, we, we all have. They just kind of, you know, if you're lucky enough to kind of, you know, be successful, they just get slightly bigger along the mm. way, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, look, we're um, we're coming towards the one, the one thing. Just before we go into our last sixty seconds, um, the one thing I always do talk, which is something I really struggle with, and I'd be keen to just like the whole work-life balance yep. thing. I, over thirty odd years of running a business, and do you feel that you've had a work-life balance? Uh, have you got it now more so than has it changed <coughs> over the years? Talk to me a bit probably about. been my biggest kind of struggle with the business mm. um, because especially when you start off and times are hard. So when we had, um, you know, we had well, we had five kids under the age of ten at one stage and wow. everything else as well. So <laughs> that's a big financial kind of you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know drain on there. So you you need to you need to kind of not just make sure you're paying the bills now. But you also start looking forward and saying, you know, I've bought these 
these five Herberts into the world. I need to start thinking. Your priorities do change in terms of you're thinking about, you know, them going forward and the kind of, you know, succession and everything there. So mm. suddenly it's enormous pressure. And you've got this kind of balance of you want to go to every one of their school plays, sports days and whatever. And mm. whenever I have, I, you know, been able to, I always have, but I have missed some. Mm. And that really, really, I mean, I'm lucky enough now, so we've got Lottie who's eight, and I go to everything I possibly can. You know, we'll go and see her play mm. hockey or we're cricket, whatever, knowing yeah. that she's probably going to play for two minutes, you drive all the way, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I love every second that I will always have. I think, again, you know, my dad worked really hard and he would work long days, so sometimes we wouldn't see him at all, you mm. know, for days. He'd be, he'd be gone before we woke up and he'd come back after. And, but there'd be times he'd get back absolutely knackered. Mm. And he'd play with us for a bit. We love those moments. And I kind of mm. look back on that thinking, Again, I think probably looking back on it, I'd have liked to have maybe turned the dial slightly more towards not missing any of those events. Mm. But sometimes you just feel that, you know, you've got that responsibility that financially that you just, you know, have to try and do that. And you're never going to get the balance right. I think now I've got it perfect or, you know, probably (laughs) brilliant now because, you know, there's less responsibility. Mm. But it's very difficult when they're young. And this is something, we were looking at buying a business, we chatted to this chap and he had had five kids under the age of three. (laughs) He had two sets of twins and a singleton. Wow. wow. uh, I've got twins, oh, blimey, having two sets. I've got twins, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And uh, chatting to him, and he's running a business and he was, you know, looking at whatever. I said to her, I bet you drive home slowly from work, don't you? She said, yeah, I do. <laughs> go back to that. And, you know, that. I look at that and go, okay, he's got it really tough. You know, that, that's very, very difficult. And mine, mine was easier. Um, but in terms of that balance, I think it's really important, you know, mm. massively important. And I think that's probably a regret that every single person that's worked hard at business will have. They will feel guilty. And I think as a parent, you feel guilty for everything. You know, it's just this inbuilt guilt of whatever you do, no matter how hard you try. And I think doing that, missing things really does. You know, I go to Lottie's things now and, you know, it tends to be a lot of the mums and not so many of the dads or the other way around where one will, you know, one is working and one's not and they yeah. do that. So people are missing out. And yeah. I kind of feel for them and I know that they will look back and, you know, you know it's very difficult. I had, I had more control I could do that. Yeah. Um, but... Um, I mean, I guess we've, we've achieving levels of success in anything that you do. And I'm not just talking about in business, whether it's sport or whatever those things are. I guess there's going to be sacrifices along the way, isn't there? Of course, there? yeah. And, and, what, yep. and I, I always ask, talk to my wife about this a lot and, again, trying to be present in a moment. And when I'm with the kids, not over my phone and trying yeah, to, yeah, you yeah. know, all the, all the <coughs> things that, that become difficult on that, that journey. And it, and, it, and it is tough. It is tough to get that that balance well but I do think there's a part of the caveat I guess and whether it's me just trying to justify it to myself that you go are there some other lessons that they're learning by seeing you graft and by seeing you work hard to build something that they go I think think you're right you know my look but I look back at my childhood and say very very happy Mm. you know I got on brilliantly with my parents Mm. and uh you know I was so proud and still you know down to my dad of what he did and I missed out, you know, and I would like to have spent more time. That's not his fault at all. Yeah. You know, he was building a business um, that was a real struggle. You know, it was a difficult business to do, and he was doing everything he could. He had long hours, and, you know, his quality of life probably wasn't that great, but he, I know he was doing it for us, and yeah. I appreciate that. So whilst I would have loved to have, you know, had more games and done whatever with him, mm. I, there's not one bit of me that, you know, has any kind of bad feeling towards him for yeah. doing that. I know that, and hopefully my kids will have the same thing. You know, yeah. it's a... It is a tough balance, um, it really is, and 
there's the old saying, isn't there, that things you won't say on your deathbed is one of the things is I wish I'd spent more time at work. Mm. You know, and it's very, very true. People yeah. do sometimes. I think as well sometimes work is a good uh, <laughs> good way of getting away from screaming kids. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. obviously not for me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's sometimes people, it's a case of they can either deal with dirty nappies or they can certainly feel like, you know, they'd rather do that. But, yeah. you know, it, it's that balance of, you know, of trying to do the right thing one spending time but also the financial thing and obviously you know the more you work and the harder you know one of my big things I'm a real advocate of hard work laziness is something I really you know my my kind of my hating people Um, because you know I come from a family that weren't lazy you know my kids have inherited that as well they're all really you know hard work I was going to say that with the the kids because is that maybe a slightly Difficult trade because of the financial security that you're, yep. you're able to give them, and obviously the the opportunities, I guess, and the potential to still instill that work ethic in. And yeah, it's that's a, that's a nightmare as well because yeah. you know at the end of the day you love your kids more than anything in the world. You want them to have the best life, couldn't yeah, don't you? Yeah. And yeah. You know, it's very easy sometimes to go. You know what? I can make your life so great by buying you stuff, yeah. and that's absolutely the wrong. I mean, yeah. you know, I probably end up. I'm the kind of I'm the good cop kind of thing where if they come to daddy they get stuff and, you know whatever and you know great might be a bit more uh, no. <laughs> I think she has to be I mean she, she's bad as well um, you know she has to be so, but I think that's a kind of almost a running joke and you know if you ask daddy he'll say yes um, but it's yeah very difficult because you know it's a tough world out there and I honestly think it's so much tougher for kids these days than when I was a kid you know yeah. I had a bloody easy you know my life was simple we didn't have social media phones all this kind of like you said planning the street and going out and we literally was, yeah. you know there's there was, was life wasn't it i, I saw you something the other day it's like uh you know um we knew that you know at the end of the day that we'd go out there we'd, we'd you know we we lived in uh we lived in uh, a little village and we'd go off and we'd wander maybe 10 miles yeah. we'd light fires we'd go in the river when we shouldn't have done we'd do kind of stuff now that i would not honestly would not let my kids do we'd go out of bikes we'd get fights we'd do whatever but as long as we were back home by five o'clock for tea <laughs> everything was good that. you know Absolutely we didn't have that. phones so the parents had no idea where we were mm-hmm. and it was the same you know it was very relaxed and yeah. uh you know we'd come home with a few cuts bruises and burns and whatever else as yeah. was but um that's great and yeah. i i loved that absolutely loved that whereas our kids are not going to get that you yeah. know you cannot things are so different now yeah. and i really do worry for you know kids coming through you know i've got my my twin girls they're both 19 now and i think being a teenage girl is so tough yeah. you know this yeah. so so tough now for yeah. in terms of all the pressures and expectations and everything they have yeah. and lottie's eight you know she's got to go through that and I feel very lucky from my point of view that, you know, I was born when I was. Yeah. I oh, wouldn't mate. I wouldn't want to do it now. No, no. I, I feel exactly the same. I've got mine are, mine are eight. I've got twins who are eight now. Yeah. And I look at her and I just think, yeah, that life that they've got when going into teenage and like you said, that, that the social pressure that, oh. that, that we just never yeah. ne- never had to experience, thankfully. And like you yeah. say. Uh, but um, again, I think the financial security, you know, that I value is the fact of maybe I can, you know, you're in a position where I can make life, you know, to maybe take away a bit of that pressure on them because, yeah. you know, life's not all about money, you know, and there's, you know, no, but it does help sometimes with yeah, life yeah, and it course. just makes you, you know, kind of, you know, you're able to do stuff that you can't if you, you know, if you haven't got the money. Yeah. And that's why, you know, we deal with kind of, you know, a whole business around helping people make money and get yeah. financially secure. And, you know, everyone wants to be in that position yeah. um, where, where they can do that. But in terms of the kids going forward, um, you know, we'll, I'll do stuff for the, for the kids yeah. um, to, make, you know, help them with, you know. Because, again, Bank of Mum and Dad, people talk about it. You know, it's 
people need that now. Yeah. Now, my first, I was talking, my first flat, lovely three-bedroom garden flat, cost me £22,000, you know, <laughs> in Clarendon Villas, in Hove, lovely area, everything yeah. nice. You know, kids now looking at that, probably, you know, 600000 <laughs> And uh, How did I even begin to think about getting on that? Yeah, day? I would yeah. never, you know, I would yeah. never have gotten a property ladder. You know, yeah. I look at stuff now and you think, you know, we we mind about how tough we had things and this and the other. We didn't actually. We had it really, you know, very easy. I think compared to kids. But again, you know, helping them get on the property ladder. Mm. It's a, you know, so if you can afford to do it, it's a fantastic thing to do. Yeah. But do it in the right way. Yeah. Don't lavish them with designer gear and everything else as well. Yeah. Um, and you know, my three boys are all working now. All got yeah. one of them works in the company. Oh, that nice. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a star in the company, and I'm really proud of him. One of my lads just kind of started his own business doing it. And one of them's got a really good job in London. Um, on the tech side is always like that mm. so you know they are really hard working I love that yeah brilliant so, uh, that's, that's what I mean there's that element of seeing you and the success you've achieved and actually they've looked at that and gone that's come from dad's hard work mm. and because and, I do I do sometimes look at that although they see me grafting and working now or whatever yeah. but I do I am fortunate because of the nature of the business I can be flexible and make yeah. sure that I'm at certain things and I Working for myself allows me to do that, and that's something I'm, I'm, I love. There's got to be but some perks of working for yourself, haven't there? Exactly that. Exactly. <laughs> There's a lot that. of downsides. But an what, awful lot of downsides. What, what, what's, uh, the last thing, uh, to to switch off? Did you? Was you over the years looking back? To, are you are you able to do it now? Still, do you are you able to lead the business and go? Well, okay, I'll, no. I'll, <laughs> no. No. Um, I've notoriously always been a bad sleeper, so. Um, yeah. Now, I tend to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and my brain is 100 miles an hour and yeah. always been that way. Yeah. And you know what? You, you can let it bother you or you can see, you know, that's maybe my superpower in terms of the stuff I think of there. Or I'd get up at five. <clears throat> By the time everyone's getting out, I've done two hours work, you know, uninterrupted. Get, and your brain at that point, you know, moment is great. You get so much good stuff done. And whilst it's, you know, annoying um, there, I think it really does help. You know, it's very, and you look at you know you look at a lot of very successful you know tend to look at the American people and whatever they they tend to do that that tends to be the way they do stuff get a lot of stuff done early in the day and start early and do that and yeah I think maybe just the way I'm built that that's probably helped me in that respect. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, listen, I'm I'm exactly the same. I'm up at five most mornings, yeah. and that's but that's my thing. And I love I love. I have I got better recently, period. so oh, I've yeah. kind of noticed the difference since we had the new chief exec in. I tend to sleep a bit longer now. Uh, I was okay. up at five this morning, um, but um, yeah, I tend to. It's certainly helping with that, yeah, which yeah. I think is a you know it's a positive thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, again, I like having an active brain. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'm, it's always active. It drives <laughs> people around me mad, um, but it's the way I am, and uh, you know, it, it, I do enjoy it. Look, mate, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna. Well, I could literally, I could carry on talking to you for for hours. It's been fascinating, art. But look, the, the, all of what we talked about, the key, as I always mentioned, it was was a, is a success moment. I'm just keen to, as I ask everyone, as we sort of come to wrap up, where you've been, where you are now, where you're going. Yep. Define success to me. How do you define success? I think success has got to be around happiness. I think absolutely has to be, you know, if you're happy, you're successful, aren't you? Mm. You know, you can have all the worldly goods, you can have all the whatever, but if you're not happy, you're not successful. And there's lots of different marks of that, but I honestly think that if you're content, happy, again, going back to Mr. Maslow, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's that kind of thing, if you get to that point where you think you're in a happy place, you know, the people around you are happy and you just... 
self-actualization, isn't it? You know, you're, you're your true self. That's that, I think, is the, is the goal that everyone you know, strives towards. And if you reach that point, then that's massive success. You know, it's not all about money in the bank or material objects or anything else as well. It's about how you feel about yourself. And, you know, you can look at the likes of, you know, um, you know Steve Jobs and people like that had all the money in the world. don't think he was ever happy. No, and again, it relates back to that. Was he happy? No. Was he successful? Define success. You know, I wouldn't say he was successful in terms of that. From you know, as a human being, monetary-wise, business-wise, but to be successful as a human being, you have to be happy. You have to be, you know, reach that self-actualization. I think. Because, because exactly that, not again. It's back to the measure of success, isn't it? If you, mm. we, we, you you're exactly right. You measure Steve Jobs' success based yep. on financial, based on business and financial performance. Yep, one hundred percent. Well, very yep. successful. But you get that barometer of happiness, mm. and where it, where his happiness and contentment and fulfilment <coughs> lies, yep. maybe not as successful. Again, you know, different things drive. You know, you look at successful people, and there's. Look at there's there's certain traits in successful people, mm. and there, I think there's two. I mean, Steve Jobs, when he went back, he got when he came back, the first thing he did was stop their charitable program. You know, it's mm. a famous story, and you look at that, and go, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, that's not a great great kind of trait to have as a human being, and mm. also that can't make you happy. Mm. Now, just because that adds a bit to the bottom line, you cannot. You know, as a company, we always have we have a charitable side, social side, everything as well, and that's one of our absolute key drivers probably from a purely selfish point of view because it makes us happy you know we yeah. like doing that and again you know it's something for us we don't really you know it's not something we go look at us we're fantastic it just makes us happy to do that i think mm-hmm. you can do that and again you know you look at someone like him if you, if the first thing you do is do that how can you be happy inside you can't yeah. you know you never will be and, and yeah I, I, and it's, it's that famous thing you look at how many people are known i look at them financially wow like really successful in that sense and yet actually might not have a partner or yeah. kids and they're yeah. maybe sitting in a massive house or usually what, they've got a partner they don't want to be with maybe, or, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever that looks like yeah. you just go actually because I, I, I guess one of the reasons I always go down this line of question and why I'm so fascinated by the subject hmm. is because I know that like, I think you know if, if me and you had met when I first started the salon, we had these conversations. Yeah. My, my driver was my 100% I'm going to be a multi-millionaire yeah, yeah. by the time I found out. I remember getting to 40 and being the furthest away from being a multi-millionaire I could ever be. <laughs> and I was like, um, I failed, blah, blah, blah. I've not achieved what I wanted. And I went into a bit of a dark place. And actually what got me out of it was very much that I, I was I was very fortunate to look around. I was surrounded by people who loved me mm, and yeah. who I loved. And oh, you go, you go. Oh, actually, if my, if my measurement of success is based on the connections and and relationships I've built over the years, you know what? You know, I'm doing all right, mate. So I, I was okay with that. Again, financially, some of the, you know, we deal with lots of high net worth individuals, yeah, and it's sure. our job to do that. Yeah. And some of the richest people are some of the most miserable people you ever meet. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a strange thing because, again, people strive for what they think is going to make them happy, get there and go, you know what, I've probably missed out on a lot along the way. Yeah. Or, you know, my, my objective has been completely wrong. Mm. And, you know, some of the you know, people who've got, and it comes back to enough. Now I've got I've got a big group of football friends. Yeah. Unfortunately, we all support Norwich City, and uh, it's a, something I've been inflicted with from an early age, and I can't <laughs> shake it off. But we've built up this fantastic group of friends, and uh, you know they live in Kent and Hampshire and Essex and whatever. Yeah. We kind of you know we become friendly through that, and 
one of the things actually is um, there's, there's a couple there and they knew me from football and they'd known me for years kind of thing and uh, they live in Hampshire and one time we are going out for a game and I said well wouldn't you come to drive to my place first and we'll get we've got a you know coach going out for whatever and uh, I turned up at the house and yeah we've got a, we've got a nice-ish house or whatever and I went tell you what we would not have put you you know we would have out of there there's no way in a million years from knowing you for 10 years I've put you as all we knew as the chap who you know in a Wetherspoons pub or whatever and I took that as a massive compliment that you know to them I was just this you know idiot the football who'd probably drink too much get a bit leery or whatever and do that and I thought I love that and a lot of my being your authentic self right? closest friends are still from you know my best friend I've known since the age of 11 and uh, you know the friends there and they're all happy people you know they're great people and that to me is much more important than you know mixing with people just because of their wealth or their status yeah. or whatever else as well and uh, yeah, again it comes back to that's who I am this leery idiot in the football who uh, <laughs> drinks, a, <laughs> drinks a Weatherspoons pint and has a, has a fry up and he gets there on a, on a match day and uh, keeps me happy yeah right. absolutely but we'll look final one what's the future hold for you uh, future comes back to the work-life balance I think I'd like to kind of uh, still work in a capacity um, I'm really enjoying where the where the balance is at the moment it's the perfect balance for me it's given me more time to do stuff um, I think it's well when you when you work hard for 30 odd years you suddenly realize you haven't really got any hobbies <laughs> And, you know, <laughs> uh, I love my boxing, I love going to the football, I love those kind of things. But outside of that, if I was sat at home all day, I'd be absolutely bored and probably divorced as well because I'd drive yeah. my wife, uh, <laughs> wife mad. Um, but I think it's just finding that next stage there of doing something and I can got the absolute luxury of doing something I enjoy. And it will be charitable stuff where I really enjoy, but I want to do the hands-on stuff. Mm. You know, we spoke earlier about the kind of, you know, using boxing as a way to help, you know, youngsters mm. kind of with the mental health side of things and, uh, you know, kind of finding a purpose and whatever. And that, that excites me now enormously in terms of, you know, I have the luxury of being able to do that mm. and uh, do that and uh, hopefully spend a bit more time in the sun. Amazing. And maybe do the, the fatal sin of buying a boat. <laughs> Ooh. I know. There you <laughs> and we go. all know the sayings about buying a boat. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe do that if I'm if I'm foolish enough. Yeah. Mate, we, look, we didn't even uh, we didn't even touch on the boxing side of things. And uh, yeah, it's just, it? I, love, I know. Love, love the boxing. And yeah. uh, so my uh, my kids or four of my kids have now done boxing. My daughter is. Um, Are you saying your daughter? She got into the uh, final of the national championships, and oh. she's an absolute star. She trains with uh, Scott Welsh, the ex, yeah. you know, uh, um, heavyweight boxer, and uh, his son Tommy did well on Friday as well. Yeah. Uh, the big thing, at the thing. But uh, yeah, it's a real focus, and we absolutely love it. So, uh, you know, we're fortunate enough now that you know, we fly out to LA and watch you know the the Fury Wilder fight when with things like wow. that, and do it with my kids who all love it, and it's just such a really nice thing to do. So. Uh, Hopefully, do a bit more of that, more of that and yeah. F one, F one as well. Mate, nice, <laughs> good sport. And, and, and I know we like, again we spoke of, of, offline before we did about the boxing and, and how you can relate so much of that to business and the le lessons that you learn from from those things. And and hence, I guess look, one of one of the things you, you, you spoke about talking about your childhood and mm. getting punched in the face. Yeah, and, you know <laughs> that we do as. I'd like to meet the chap again now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. get him in one of them white collar books. I'd pay to see that. <laughs> Actually, yeah, no, I think I think you know boxing again. You know, it's contentious. Some people think it's a barbaric sport, and this and the other. I actually think it's such a it's a real noble sport. Mm. And in terms of for me, 
um, you know, we spoke about in terms of preparing for a fight is you know it's, it, it treat it, it's so similar to you know preparing yourself for business meetings and stuff like that it sounds really tenuous but it's really not mm-hmm. because that preparation you know if you fail a business meeting you might walk out of there and you haven't got the business and you're a bit annoyed but you know you don't prepare for the boxing match that hurts quite a lot <laughs> yeah. and you know teaching you those kind of lessons there it's just really good mentally and i think yeah. it's uh it's been you know, well, I was in two minds about doing my first one, but it was on my bucket list of do I do that first fight? And you were there at the fight. I was, I was. And uh, managed, managed to win the first round. Um, <laughs> but didn't quite kind of tick that box, you know, or scratch that itch in terms of I needed to do it again. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for my shoulder, despite being an old git now, I'd love to do it again. Get back in so there. I'm doing it for curiosity now through my kids. Fantastic sport. Yeah. Well, look, uh, hopefully you'll be at my... I'm going to do the work. I told you it's on my I'll be ringside. So, mate, I'll be, be ringside, ringside there, mate. Yeah, giving you, you useless advice. Yeah, so. you, you in, you in. Well, look, I've, um, like I say, it's been, for me, obviously knowing you know, over the years, and but never really actually having much time to actually sit yeah. down and chat to each other. And honestly... All you needed was a pint, really, wouldn't you? just been well, the I, I, You know what? I, I, honestly, I can't say... What I, fascinating amazing episode I, I can't wait to share it oh, thanks. I, I think really. um, I've, I kind of came in here it. with a thought of why on earth would anyone want to listen oh, to me mate. babbling on about the kind of uh, yeah mate, honestly it's so, it's so insightful and, 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 and what you've achieved in, in, in business in life is, is incredible and so like I said I'm, I guess I'm fortunate enough to we're in a business community where I'm, I'm surrounded by people who are inspiring and you're certainly one of their, those really inspiring people and it's been a Thank fascinating you. conversation mate. Yeah, and no, I thoroughly enjoyed it but I, uh, I just uh, uh, but listen we could have gone see, I can definitely no listeners going to got to this point where they'll actually hear us saying this I'm sure they will because there's so much <laughs> to be taken away look we have to do part two because we could have gone on for a lot yeah, longer yeah. I'm sure but anyway um Listen, thanks for coming on. No, thank been, you so much for having me on. It's been, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Amazing. And that, as they say, is a wrap. Mm-hmm.